0: tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to another expert episode of the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. Today I have a very unique guest on and she actually reached out to me and asked if she would be a good guest for the show. And and once I heard her expertise, I knew I had to have her on. But today I have Olivia Hill, who is a stand-up comedian, writer, and producer in Los Angeles. She has performed all over the country. She's been featured on BuzzFeed and is a member of the sketch group Try Harder Sometimes. She also produces the variety show Philanthropy TBD. So we talked all today about how to utilize humor when it comes to healing. We talk a little bit about, and you hear me talk about, how I think humor is a really important thing to be consuming when you're going through a breakup. It's a great distraction. It brings some levity to to it all. And it's just a great thing to be putting your attention into. But we also talk about how we can use humor. Well, first of all, we talk about how humor is it's something that we all, I think, sometimes gravitate towards, but a lot of the times we stop ourselves from from making fun of a situation or making light of a situation because we're supposed to be sad or we're supposed to be mad. So she talks a lot about how a lot of this is just allowing ourselves to find the humor in things and not putting so many rules around our feelings. We also talk about how to find humor in situations and how we can just look at life as the kind of like ridiculous thing that it can be sometimes, how we'll just be such happier people and and won't take things so seriously. I want to preface this by saying just because I'm bringing on someone who is talking about how to find humor in something, by no means does it. Indicate that you shouldn't feel the the tough feelings, too. I used to be someone who was so I had such a hard time Finding humor in things if someone tried to point out the humor in something it was It was not something that I wanted to hear. I I just took life very very seriously for a really long time and I think a lot of this we find in hindsight, but you know, it's we look at like ridiculous things we did in relationships, like how many sacrifices and how many things I went along with because I just wanted to be in a relationship, or how many crazy things exes have done or said, and how at some point it was devastating in the end of the world. And then as time passes and I get more perspective and I get more distance, I can laugh about how insane that was. And I use the example of, no one wants to experience a bad date. Afterwards, it feels awful. But once you get some time in between, it becomes a great story that that you can tell at parties. So I love Olivia's point of view. I'm so excited because I'm going to be checking out one of her shows coming up here in Los Angeles, and I can't wait for you to enjoy her as well. Hello, Olivia. Welcome to the show. So excited to, to have you on and, and talk about humor today.
1: Thank you. It's so wild to be on this podcast because I <laughs> listen to this podcast. So it's crazy to hear that intro and it's directed at me. I'm so excited. <laughs>
0: yes. Well, I mean, I was just telling you before we started recording, but I have like a space where people can, can submit themselves. And I was like, talk about so much I mean, I talk a lot about a positivity. There's a lot of like doom and gloom on this podcast sometimes of hearing about like sad stories and like ways to cope with grief and trauma and all these things. And it's like humor. I'm so excited to talk to you because I think it's something we all use in one way or another to get through grief, trauma. Like we've done it our whole lives and it's just not something that we necessarily think about. So so that's why I was just so excited to, to be able to talk to you and would love to hear What did your journey look like to becoming a comedian?
1: The journey, I'm going to try my hardest to tell it as linearly as possible. I always watched a bunch of stand-up comedy growing up, my teenage years. I was a sober kid. So, you know, my Saturday nights were like staying up late watching Comedy Central stand-up specials. So, and I remember... A lot of comedy clubs at the time that I wanted to go to were 18 and over. So as a teenager, I couldn't go. I got to see Chelsea Handler once at Universal Studios because it was like a theater. And so it didn't matter how old you were. And that night changed my life. And I felt even more in love with her and stand up. But I never out loud said like, hey, I am going to do this. Probably a little bit out of fear. And then I love that when I turned 18, the comedy clubs all decided we're going to bump it up to 21 plus. So it took me so long to actually be around stand-up comedy live. And throughout college, I always knew I wanted to work in the television. Wow, I can't even talk today. Television industry. And I was so neurotic though. I was like, here's my plan. I'm going to take some time off before I have to do the 10-year grind in LA. I'm going to go move to Hawaii and the silver lining even more so there is that I'll start doing comedy out there. That way, if I bomb, I can do it there. Because if you can't bomb in LA, they'll, they'll blacklist you from the entire industry, which is not a thing at all. But that was just where my mind was going. So I remember always knowing that like, you could get involved with improv teams. That was a great way to you know, get on TV and practice your funny muscles and all that good stuff. And I had heard on the radio in Hawaii that there was this improv and stand-up comedy night at this wine bar. And the first hour was improv, second hour was stand-up. And I didn't have a car, so I had to take the bus. I forget that buses stop a lot by nature. So I got there late, missed the improv. And got to what was basically an open mic. And I was like, cool, I still love stand-up. I'm going to watch this. And I remember realizing at that open mic, I was like, oh. I could do this. Like when you see open my comedy, you're like, Oh, the barrier for entry so low. So that's why when, when you said like the journey, I'm like, well, it's a pretty easy door to like push through. It's like those swinging barn doors. You're like, I'm here. I'm in it now. And then you catch the bug. And I actually, I didn't even go up that night. I went back home, prepared a five minute set went back the following week and killed it because i was so well rehearsed because i thought that's what you did also i thought you had to have it memorized and i had a great set and the bug bit me and since then i've definitely bombed on stage a handful if not many more so times but i've been doing it ever since and it's my happy place that's
0: awesome honestly like if i have to think about the scariest thing to ever do it would be stand up comedy for for me personally and it's so funny cuz my parents are like that's their fun thing. They go to the improv for <laughs> to watch comedy. Like I grew up watching Whose Line Is It Anyway, watching their them do improv and so I feel like growing up in that I like feel like I watched a lot of stand-up comedy and I always thought like, man, not only do you have to like get up by yourself and perform, but like it's not like a play where the next day you read a review, you mm. hear it right <laughs> yeah. there. you're either making people laugh or you're not. So that seems like, it seems like something where you have to be so passionate about doing it that it kind of helps get over like all of those potential fears.
1: I think that's a lovely way to highlight the pro of that aspect. But I also think that maybe you might understand this part too, is that the darker side to it is that it's immediate validation, and that alone can be addicting in a very addicty way. And speaking of someone who's sober now, I see how that kind of tick plays well into chasing you know the highs of laughter. You know, because it is immediate. I remember. I also like. I worked in the kitchen of a hotel restaurant once, and the chef said, "I love being a chef because I can get immediate validation. If someone likes the food, they like it." And I feel like Sam comedy, it's even faster. Yeah. So.
0: No, I get it. It's, It's hard, and even like, if I have like a day that's like I'm posting stories and I'm like low on DMs, I'm like, they hate it. Like, you know, it's like, it is hard. It is hard. And that's actually, it's so funny you say that because I was literally journaling about that this week. I'm like, man, the instant gratification is something, well, and I'm sober too. So it's like, Mm -hmm. we literally live for instant gratification.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's something, you know, you got to work through and it's, that's so funny that your mind immediately was suited. they hate it. I'm like, no, Kendra, like yeah. keep doing everything. We love it. I love it so much. And I think on the other side of that, it's so nice to hear that because if I was in your shoes, I would think the same thing. But as someone who enjoys your podcast, enjoys your work, I'm just like, oh my God, if I DM her, she's so busy. She's not gonna respond to me. Like, you know. I
0: know the different perspectives on things, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I guess this is like a twofold question. As you've progressed in being a comedian, how has that specific career, I think like no matter what kind of career we're in, it really helps us work through some things personally, especially like in a job like that. How has that being your career helped you work through different things? And then the second part of that question would be like, how have you been able to utilize the fact that you... Create humor for your job. Like, how have you been able to use that to help you get through maybe some tougher times?
1: So the first part but of that I know was how no, it's okay. Because I they kind of play into each other. That I want to map this out correctly because, you know, honestly, in 2016-17, I had just moved from Hawaii to Los Angeles, had been here for a few months, was doing stand-up in Orange County and, and LA. And I went through a breakup and I had just gotten a new apartment in Los Angeles. So now I was going down West Orange County and in Los Angeles, there are so many open mics shows just going on any given night of the week that there was this, you know, such hustle and grind culture of stand-up comedy that you need to be going to three mics every night. You know, when I was in Hawaii and saying I was gonna to move to Los Angeles, everyone was like, You better, you know, you better start going like five mics a night. And it's post-pandemic, it's like that was insane. Like I yeah. wasn't sleeping, like, and also I was drinking back then. So it was I had a 40 hour uh week, 40 hours. I can't even say it. That's how removed I am from like corporate America. But I had a full-time job and then was doing stand-up right after in a lot of open mics are at bars, the whole thing. And at the time though going through a breakup i was like well i don't want to go home and be in my bedroom alone thinking about these thoughts and thinking about the sadness so lucky me i can go to three different spots and i loved being on stage it felt really good and it wasn't even necessarily always about the breakup it was just my happy place to get you know validation but also pursuing the career all that good stuff so at the time it was giving this advice back then. I'd be like, just drown yourself in pursuing <laughs> your dream. And now I'm like, Oh my God, that is just, that is so toxic. You can't give that advice. Olivia. <laughs> but that's how I think, but it did help. Honestly, it did keep me busy. It did help. It, it soothed. Uh, yeah. Things do bubble up when you kind of self-soothe immediately like that. But in the moment when I was younger, it helped, it worked. And so the second part of the question was
0: how does like being someone who like finds humor in situations mm-hmm. help you get through your own like tough situations
1: I think it's always come from my whole life whether it was heartbreak or not if I was complaining to my friends in a real vibrant active way and they were laughing back that only makes a comedian want to heighten and lean in more and you know be louder and But they were things I was genuinely upset about. I remember I had a roommate in college where, you know, we lived in a house with six girls and we all knew one girl was eating all of our stuff and the evidence was everywhere. There was literally, she made like a blue cake once and I found blue cake crumbs in my like food items later. And I was like, this is, where else would you find blue cake? Like what? You were?" And just telling the story to people right after college, when I was like living in Hawaii and hearing their reactions as I went step-by-step through it, I've forgiven and healed since. And that's why I'm not going into greater detail. But, you know, just the ridiculousness of some things and getting people to laugh at something that genuinely, like, I felt genuinely gaslit because they would be like, no, I didn't eat it. And I'm like, but the great crumbs are there. So I think that's kind of helped me in life is to, help express something that is genuinely bothering me. But when I see that it brings light to someone else, it kind of reminds me that it's not that big of a deal. You know, Mm -hmm. if they were like, Olivia, you need to get out of that house. You need to go seek help. Like, then I'd be like, oh no. But like the fact that they're laughing, then it's making me laugh and it's this back and forth. And and then I'm also getting validation. So, (laughs) you know, it's, I think that's helped me. And hopefully brings it out to someone else's face.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think there's just so much power in that. And and that kind of brings me to the next question, which is like with humor, there's a lot of little fine lines. So like, you know, I was talking to my friend the other day, we were talking about our therapy appointments and she's like, she's like, my therapist always like calls me out for using humor when I'm talking about like serious stuff. So I think there's like a few different fine lines that we navigate, but you kind of touched on that one is like, how have you been able to be like, okay, I actually really need to be serious to like talk about this deep seated thing. Like, How do you prevent yourself not from jumping to like making light of it or making a joke or making like a skit on it?
1: I think it just depends case by case. And I personally hate that answer. I hate when people are like, it's a case by case situation. I'm like, no, give me the black and white. But I do know for that specific example, when I started therapy and I've had the same therapist for the past few years now, because she is so wonderful. I never want to let her go. When I started with her, she knew that I did stand up. She knew that I was producing shows and involved with all this. But, you know, one, I was paying her. And two, I was just like, I'm literally here for self-help. I am not here to run bits, you know, like I can go to an open mic after this, especially pre pandemic days in Los Angeles. There were literally open mics at like noon. So like, I was like, I can literally do the session and go somewhere else for the funny. But like, while I'm here with you, we need to get work done. And now that I've known her for so long, sometimes that more charactery side will come out when I'm angered or aggravated by something and kind of acting it out because I think that's now just me being comfortable with her. But before that, in therapy, I kind of shut it off and was like, no, I need to get to the root cause of things that are troubling me. In terms of not turning things into a sketch immediately, I think that you know, even if you're not a comedian, you're gonna have thoughts. And if a thought makes you laugh, you can't just, suppress it and be like, you can't laugh at your grandma just dying. You know, if if there was a funny thought about it, you know, like, and I say that because my grandmother just passed away. And it was the same thing where I didn't immediately think, oh my God, how do I put this in my new 20 minute set? I was like, I'm grieving. I'm crying. I am going through it. And now that some months have passed. Yeah. I'm working on some material, but (laughs) you know, like It'll come up naturally. I think about emotions and reactions to things like lava, where the bubble is going to reach the surface. It just depends on which one is bubbling and popping at the top. And if a, and it's just like conversely, if you have a negative thought, you're not supposed to just be like, get out of here, negative thought. I'm not going to think at you. Like you're supposed to let everything pass. And so you have to allow when the funny thought comes up too. And if the funny thought comes with, oh, that'd be a good sketch, write it down. You know, maybe you'll make it one day.
0: Yeah. No, that's actually such a good point because I think there's like all these arbitrary rules we place around breakups, death, trauma. And, you know, I think up to a certain extent, maybe some of the like guidelines make sense, but there's nothing to say that, like you said, like something might be funny right after a breakup. And it's not mm-hmm. like I tell people this with like when you're happy after a breakup, just because you're happy doesn't mean like, oh, my God, I can't, I shouldn't be happy because I'm going to be sad in 10 more seconds. So like it's like don't ruin your happy by thinking about when you're going to be sad. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing as like you're allowed to laugh right after a breakup. You're allowed to find like ironies and like weird things that your ex said or those things can come up. And so it's just like, it's another form of accepting your feelings as they are and just not placing like rules on it. You, and Mm -hmm. knowing that like you can laugh and then you might laugh and then you might immediately start crying and and that's (laughs) totally okay.
1: (laughs) That happens so often to me. I also like, I've just, as a kid, I was always trying to be a real tough girl and like never cried. And now I think I've suppressed so much that I remember working at like a hostessing job and the bar had TVs. So I couldn't even hear what was on the television screen, but I would see a sad commercial and start tearing up. And (laughs) I'm just like, I'm at work right now. This can't be happening. But you know, when it comes up, it kind of just comes up. And I think the key to all of that is don't, force it you know even as someone who is pursuing comedy professionally I haven't inked a deal where they're like oh you went through a breakup yesterday we need a pilot about it tomorrow you know if anything I'm writing stories that have happened I have some distance on them and also heightening them to a more fictional place through comedy anyways you know
0: yeah. And I think that's kind of the second fine line to navigate when it comes to comedy is like that whole, you know, of like too soon where it's like, I was talking to someone today about this whole idea of like horrible dates. When you're fresh out of a breakup and you're still really sensitive, a horrible date is awful. Later on, great storytelling, like great to be able to share. I was like saying in another interview, I'm like, you're never at a dinner party. And someone's like, let's hear your best date. They're like, no, like tell me the worst date you've ever been on. But it's all about like distance from it. So I know this is going to be like, a it depends answer, but like, what does the process look like of terms of, of healing and then kind of being able to like use humor to maybe like get over that last hump or I don't know, whatever that looks like, like how do you work through things before you can find something funny about it?
1: Sure. And I also want to go back really quick and say to the too soon thing. See, what's interesting is I've always understood like, Oh, that's too soon. Almost as you're offending someone else who isn't over it yet if that makes sense. Like if yeah. I made a joke about my grandmother passing away to my mom who isn't over it, like that's too, cause then that's just what me getting off to say a joke. to Like that's just rude and uncouth. You know, you just don't do that. But I think if it's in your own space, in your own bubble. And once again, if some of your listeners are aspiring comedians, we can talk about this all day, but for the majority who maybe aren't, if you're just journaling or if you're just having that out loud talk to yourself, who cares if it's too soon? It's just you and your thoughts. You know, you're know, you not offending anyone. But off of that, I think what's really interesting about taking the time to heal and then working on the creative project about it, I've noticed when I work on a piece that let's say is about a breakup. And if I'm working on a piece that's about a breakup with one person that happened A few years ago versus a breakup that happened a few months ago it's really interesting to write the vomit draft and then kind of step back and realize how their characters like how that character's character is being shown because the one that's further away will always seem like a genuinely good person with good sides and bad sides and flaws and you know good traits but then the one that's a recent breakup it's like oh wow she really does not like this person and for some audiences, that can be just as off-putting to be like, oh, so she's just demonizing this character, but I don't know why. I haven't seen what's redeemable about them. I haven't, you know. And so I think putting some space, I think, you know, time, as Justin Bobby said, I don't know if you're a fan of The Hills, <laughs> truth and time tells all. <laughs> but, you know, like the more time you put between things, the better your, your glasses are about them. I don't know if that's as wise as Bobby, but
0: (laughs) no, I mean, I think we can all put ourselves in this position. If you think back to like old relationships that like at the time, like either when they ended or when they were happening, like felt so serious and so big. And then as time goes on, you're like, like I'll give you an example. And this is like to no insult to anyone who is religious. It's just not something that I am, but I was, I was dating a guy and he wanted to, to wait to, to have sex until I don't even remember. It was so long ago. I don't don't know if it was marriage or I don't know what it was, but he took me like up into the hills to this like Catholic priest. And like, I got Like I got like, it's like whole routine of like all these different kinds of waters that I was like supposed to keep with me. And as someone like my parents are like hippie religious people, like at the time I thought this guy's investing so much in me. And then when he broke up with me, I was like, what a betrayal. But now I can look at it and be like, you know, that was like the craziest thing that I've ever done for like a relationship. And I can take myself and that person less seriously. I think we can take Mm -hmm. other people less seriously as time has gone on. Mm hmm. Yeah, like it, it's just so funny how a situation feels so big. And I get this too when I'm, when I'm journaling is like, I will look at a situation that felt gargantuan at the time. And now I'm like, wow, that was so small and so little. And I can laugh at it now.
1: I forgot where I heard this gem advice. It might've been from In Treatment on HBO, which is about therapy. But I think it's something like, if you say the thought out loud, you'll realize it's not as crazy as it is in your head. You're, you'll be like, oh, that, why was I even afraid of saying it? It's, it's no big deal. And similarly to writing things down, you can just see your thoughts and you're like, oh, it's not that messy as, as it is when it's all circulating in here. But one of my favorite quotes that I live by and I think also plays into my point of view as a stand-up comedian is this quote by Jules Renard and it's, look for the ridiculous in everything and you will find it because everything in life is ridiculous. Like if you were to pan out one of my favorite memes right now is these little aliens wooing around a little earth. And it says like your reaction when your favorite earthling makes it another season of earth, you know? And it's like the little things that we do are so important to us because it is our life. But if you really step back from it, like, the fact that we're like doing, you know, a podcast on breakups, you know, has helped me so much. This is not me putting the podcast out. I love this podcast, but you know, I would love to know what, not that I'm trying to put the world in peril, but like a hundred years from now, it's like, Oh, people would just get on teleconferencing calls to talk. If you were to look at that example, here, I'll join you in your boat. That way we can both be canceled together is uh yeah. Like all those waters. And that's speaking as someone who is, I think, messed up a few water situations in church settings because I wasn't raised religious, probably drank the wrong thing at the wrong time, anointed the yeah. wrong thing. Like, who knows? You know, and I'm also a very woo-woo person where I'm also like speaking like, I love you water so that way I can feel yes. better. Like, it's all ridiculous, but it's, it matters to us. And if it helps us get through another season of Earth for our favorite aliens.
0: <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. And I think like, I don't know, it's been really interesting just to be the witness to people's breakups, like just to be like, like a fly on the wall and hearing about people's breakups and relationship things and to hear about some of the things that people have been told and things that have been said. And like the crazy demands that like an ex will be like, I don't want to be with you, but like, you can't date anyone and like, I need you to always answer my calls. And it's like, what? You know, it's like, how ridiculous is that? And how funny that that is once you can get to the place where you realize it's ridiculous. And I think that sometimes is like the switch that we need to be able to see things objectively. I also think probably finding humor is the thing that can sometimes get your ex off a pedestal of just being yes. like- oh, wow, they did like not taking them so seriously and being and realizing they're just like another person that can really help you get them off the pedestal, which is a huge part of going through a breakup.
1: Totally. And I think off of the fine lines that we were talking about earlier, I think 2021 today, the way Gen Z is running TikTok, it's a very self love place, even though they keep making fun of my side part, which is really rude.
0: but I a middle part it's (laughs) never gonna work for me
1: I'm trying to make it work I'm I'm giving into Gen Z how embarrassing I have no backbone like forget getting over a breakup I just need to like become my own person (laughs) but the point is like you know we talk a lot about self-love even outside of the like heartbreak space and I think prior to that the collective consciousness was all about like Slamming your ex immediately after a breakup and pointing out what's wrong with them, and you know, I don't want my stand-up to be so one-sided like that, where it's like I'm coming to the stage with all these grievances about my ex. That's not funny. That's just like an unhinged therapy session. That's not. They're that's like, not comedy. Sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then I'm up there just sitting in it, you know. So yeah. I think it's cool that we're looking at it from a lens now of like, how can you grow and and become a better person. But at the same time, when you get to see the actual idiosyncrasies of your ex and laugh at them, not to like take them to the stake to be burned and tell everybody like, doesn't this make them a horrible person, but just say like, oh yeah, they had no idea the difference between indoor and outdoor furniture. My goodness, you know,
0: I think the most dangerous place we can be after a breakup is to think that our ex is like, I won't use this, but like not human, like that there's some like God, that there's some like higher power to be worshiped, that everything they say is like an immediate reflection of your worth and like all of those feelings. And so I think those things we can find, it just makes them just a human. It could Mm -hmm. make – it, like, can make them to seem like another human you meet on the street. And I think that's, like, another thing about going through a breakup is we get so scared of, like, I'm never going to meet someone like them. And you're like, what? Like, for me, it's like, what? You mean, like, a man who's nice and has a job and, like, treats you nicely? Like, there's a lot of those out there, (laughs) you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I think comedy is, like, a thing that brings people down to earth.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because it's just – like that quote said, it's pointing out the ridiculous.
0: Yes. And it's reminding us that we don't necessarily have to take things so so seriously. Mm-hmm. And you touched on it a little bit, but like I used to be really good at this. Like when I was like really bad at my drinking, mm-hmm. I would just make myself the butt of the joke because I'm like, I just am the butt of the joke. So I'd rather be the one that does it first. But how do you find humor in your own actions without making fun of yourself in like a self-deprecating way?
1: When anyone starts anything, any hobby, interest, anything, you're not good at it. Even if you have a great night, you're not good at it. You're, you're learning, you're growing. And I remember never did that joke again because it really was not funny. And my goal was to be funny. And there's so much funny in the truth that i think that you can be self deprecating about the things that actually are your hidden dark spots because you're shining a light on them to people and saying hey i have this this you know neuroticness about me or oh i i always accidentally self sabotage at the most nice restaurants to get in fights with people over 50 dollar pasta i can't help it you know and i also think that like self-deprecating isn't hacky. And maybe not even like self-deprecating where you're tearing yourself down when it's specific, when you can genuinely say like, this is something that I do that I'm not proud of, but I'm also saying it out loud to better myself and not be this person anymore. I don't like this about me. So I think that's part of it.
0: I would definitely agree because, well, what's coming to mind is like, like patterns in relationships, like, Oh, I'm someone that, you know, I had a long streak of like going with people who were emotionally unavailable. And I think sometimes there are really harsh realities that we have to come to. Like for me, the being with like, I'm someone who goes after emotionally unavailable people. It's like a tough pill to swallow, but if I can kind of start it as a joke, and like warm up to the idea of that being one of my patterns. I think that's like a lot easier. I think sometimes if we can make jokes about our patterns and our behaviors, it can be like a light way of taking it on and starting that awareness. So then we can like actually start working through it.
1: Yeah. I used to really get frustrated when, When I was working on getting sober or working on any aspect of myself that I didn't like, and I'd be like, I don't, I don't like this about myself. People would always say, Well, you know, the first step is admitting, or it's it's so good that you at least know that about yourself. And I would get so frustrated back at that because I was like, but who cares if I notice that? I need to fix it. I need to change it. I, you know, I was it was like, it's just the thought right now. It's not action yet. But now that I've actually gone through some things that I've changed about myself, I do realize the importance of taking the first step and admitting, oh yeah, I do this thing. And with the emotionally unavailable people. And I think that's the thing like self-deprecating, it would be different if you were saying some blanket statement, like, oh, I always go after emotionally unavailable people. So I'm dumb. And it's like, what? Well, yeah. You know, versus like, like,
0: yeah. Or like saying I'm, I'm a bad person versus like, I did something bad. You know, it's like, yeah. making those generalizations.
1: Right, right. And it's a complete like just attack of your whole character. It's like, no, it's just this one thing that you do, you know, and that you, you've now said out loud that you're aware of. So step one.
0: Another thing, and I want to make sure I don't forget to say this. I think some big thing that can come with breakups is this amount of shame, whether that's shame of how did I fall for this person that hurt me so bad, or if you're blaming yourself for the breakup. How could I have done this? I honestly, like, so when I was drinking, I had like a couple really, really horrible just situations happen, like really traumatic situations happen. And I remember I was in a recovery meeting and I said one of the things out loud and literally like everyone in the room burst out laughing. And like, I remember it so vividly because it was the first time something felt really light. It it was the first time I felt like a lightning of the load for Mm -hmm. me. And Mm -hmm. the more of those situations I have, like the more I was able to drop that shame. Like that, I had the same experience with like the abusive ex-boyfriend when I was able to like share some of the crazy things that I did, like paying for him even after we broke up. And there's like all these things and people laughed it was like, okay, that's not like, no one's going to laugh at something that's really shameful, you know? Like, so just being able to like get that kind of reaction from, from other people can take away that shame.
1: Yeah. And I think that so much of comedy, whether the piece in question is about shame or not, sometimes things are funnier to people because they resonate with them. Right. So in that first group setting, when you first said the thing and everyone burst out laughing, I bet portion of them were like, Oh yeah, me too. And, and it, you know, this Allie Wong bit from, I think her baby Cobra special, where she talks about how, you know, she would like smell her fingers after she farted or something. And I was like, yeah. Oh my god. And and the audience is laughing. So you're like, okay, good. I'm not the only one. I'm not crazy. And she's like, and she goes into why it's totally okay. It's a health thing. And I'm like, yes, it is a health thing. Or so I I don't remember exactly what the bit is. Maybe I'm just being discussing on your podcast. But okay. like I I have a bit about you know peeing in the shower, and it's so funny to see people just break down cuz they're like and see their reactions of some are just purely laughing because it's a funny twist to a sentence others are like you can tell they're like oh yeah i do too and it's well, and way- they're like
0: looking at like the people they came with to be like are we all laughing cuz we all do this <laughs> too you know it's like a way to find cuz it's not like you would be in like a group's like it's rare you would be like with your friends and be like how many people do this. But if you like make a joke about it, it's just like, it's this unassuming, like, unintrusive, unassuming way to help normalize something you're thinking or you're feeling.
1: Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And it makes it less lonely that way. You know, I'm sure in that moment, you also felt like, oh, I've camaraderie here.
0: Yeah, no, I think, not so to late. label
1: your emotions. Sorry, I was such a stretch, but no. But that's what—that's how I usually feel. I'm like, oh, good, I'm not alone. You know. No,
0: I mean that's like, oh my gosh, I literally thought up until I was like 23, I literally thought I was the only person that experienced like 99% of my life or 99% of my thoughts and my feelings. Mm-hmm. And I had an experience last week where I was watching a TikTok. And someone like made a funny video about, and I honestly I can't remember what it was, but I was like, oh my God, I totally do that. And I've never talked to anyone about it. I've never, but it's like it helps us see that the human experience is so universal. Mm -hmm. So the last question I have, and this is like a little bit different, but I found that watching comedy after a breakup was so important for me. But what I have found is there's obviously so many like shapes and sizes and styles and flavors of, of comedy. And I think until you've kind of find your style, you might be like, what you know, what's the point of kind of watching this? So do you have any recommendations of how can someone like find their thing that's going to make them laugh? If that sure. makes.
1: Yeah. I think ask your funniest friend what do you think I should watch? Because they both then know you and they also probably love comedy so much that they've seen a bunch of different styles. So yeah, because I'm always that friend recommending shows to friends, but making it specific to them and why I think that they would like it. So I think that if you are somewhere you don't even know where to start, ask See which one of your friends is maybe the closest to like they secretly are a standup comedian or would love to pursue it or maybe just love television and ask them. I think also just, you know, it's what's watching a pilot of something, you know, it's it's 30 yeah. minutes, you know, you can can watch a new one every night before bed and see what sticks. And also, I mean, these algorithms are crazy these days. So <laughs> your TV probably already knows what you like, even if you've never seen anything.
0: Yeah, and like it's so funny. I feel like I I don't like raunchy type comedian stuff and like not that I I love that people love it, but it's just like something and I used to like go watch it and then I would like I don't know, I would just like feel uncomfortable because it's just not my style where it's like you can find your style and like own it. Like literally my style is like borderline like kid type comedy. <laughs>
1: Are you, you know, like into animated like cartoons? No, just
0: like like I love like parks and rec and like like okay. really innocent comedy. Got like it. my favorite yeah. stand-up comedian's John Mulaney. Yes. Just because I feel like he makes like very innocent type, but it's it's all about finding your style. Like my mm-hmm. best friend loves like the, you know, the craziest, like raunchiest thing you can find on TV. I also get really uncomfortable really easily. Like I have like the contagious awkwardness thing so there's a lot of stuff that I'm just like I feel more uncomfortable watching this than I'm laughing so
1: right right and I think you know from like a critical theory standpoint if I can even say that raunchy humor really dominated for a very long time if you look at the demographic of straight white guy who is writing producing and creating it and starring yeah. in it so the fact that there are more diverse voices coming to the stage now and it seems to only be growing which is great i think that more people will find more of what they want and also like all these comedians that you know did really well during the pandemic who are like you know the quote front-facing comedy like the the characters that we see in our tiktoks and twitter feeds and all that you know they're using hashtags to push their comedy to people that would like it so even sometimes searching by hashtag just things that you like. Like, I love woo-woo stuff. I love it so much. But do I also want to, like, make fun of it? Yes, because yes. it's it's crystals. Like, I, yes. <laughs> you know, like, and and I think that, like, that is an angle into it. And same with, you know, I really do. I was in a perpetual heartbreak loop for the past, like, two years, which is why, you know, I found this podcast. and wanted to be on it. But that is something I also want to make fun of. is just, like, the girl who cannot get over the same freaking guy, forever, you know, and that's because there are millions of us out there. It's the human condition, sadly.
0: Yeah. And I mean, there's just so many ways to f- to laugh.
1: Mm-hmm. Honestly,
0: like we have Netflix that has all these comedy specials. I swear, like and I have no shame in saying this. TikTok has been like in my top 5 mental health tools in the last year, and it's just something like I will turn to if I'm not feeling great. Like, yeah, I'll journal and I have a therapist, but like I'll hop on TikTok for some laughs. So, and I know it's like the first laugh after a breakup's hard. Like the first smile feels weird. The first laugh feels forced or feels wrong in some way, but it's, it's not, I think like no matter what your circumstances, we all deserve to laugh and have yeah. some like comic relief to life.
1: Yeah. And you know, here's my personal recommendation to everybody. My favorite show is Arrested Development. And I think that's a great show to watch it post-breakup because it doesn't really have anything to do with relationships. Yeah. So you're not really going to find yourself being like, oh, like I want those two characters to be together. and But that's how me and my ex got together. It's just like a show about a family in Orange County who like does not have their shit together. And yeah, I think that's when I'm, the the best recommendations I can give, but going back to even just like the first laugh feels wrong. Like, I mean, just let it happen, you know. Yeah, like be kind be to yourself, yeah, because you deserve it, you, you know. And oh, I've I know that hard feeling, but it's this too shall pass.
0: Yeah, and I even think it's like it's almost important to like. I use stand-up comedy so much. Like I would list, I don't know if everyone knows this, but like on Spotify, you can listen to comedians all the time. And I would do that all the time because it was almost like my set point was so low that I kind of had to always overcompensate just to like come to Central, just like Mm -hmm. to get to like a neutral mood. I had to like listen to, to something that was funny. It's also a great alternative instead of the radio when you don't know what song is going to come up next and yeah. music can be so emotional. So I think I always tell people like put on stand up comedy in the car. You can yeah. listen to it wherever.
1: That's a great move. Honestly. Yeah. Because I will be, it's always when you go through a breakup that all the songs that were on your yeah. playlist that you made for them are suddenly top 40 and you're That's like, Whoa. Uh, I wonder if I had anything off of that. Nope. Brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay.
0: Well, where can people find you you're in LA. So people, mm-hmm. if anyone's in the area, they can come watch one of your shows, but yeah, tell us where we can find you.
1: Yeah. On Instagram and TikTok, I am free sample Olivia and then Twitter. Let's all get a petition started because they do not allow that many characters in your handle. So there oh, I'm just sure. free sample live. But you can find all of these links and my writing, which is both humor pieces and short stories on my website, Free Sample Olivia. And that's also where I post my show dates. And honestly, if you send me a nice DM, I will respond. And if anyone's like, well, I don't live in L.A., come here. I'm vaccinated. The world seems to be opening up. Let me know. I'll I'll come do a show in Idaho.
0: Yes. Yes. Let's get you to Idaho. Well, I will put your website in the show notes, too, cool. so people can click there. But thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your, like, very wonderful expertise in comedy. So, yeah, hope to, to be able to talk to you again soon. Yeah, thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones. And the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise.